Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. So good to be in an atmosphere of praise and, and worship. I went to Enoma Community Church. We've got two services, and I got to go to the, the 9.30 service before I, I, I flew up the road, and the guys were, were praying for us praying for you that we would uh, encounter God today, and I certainly felt His presence in the room. So, Ryan, thank you and the team. It was just a delight to be having a jump in the presence of God, and just, just brilliant, and so, so good. So, guys, since the last time I've been here, this is my third visit to R8 Church. The last time I was here, there was nobody in the room, and um, we were expecting the room to be filled, and then the, the government decided that they were going to extend the lockdown and I had to preach to a camera. So it's nice to be able to see faces, smell smells, and um, all that crack. Uh, but since the last time I was here, a, a couple of things have changed in my life. I'm now the proud owner of three Labradors. And um, they are my babies, and my children are jealous. And um, I've also taken on a, a brand new role with UCB, United Christian Broadcasters. And I've got a, a daily radio show with them now, shameless plug from 11 o'clock until 2 o'clock on, on UCB Ireland. So if you're at home and you want to encourage, come and find us because um, Life Today is a, a show where we get to talk about the hot topics in the church that nobody wants to talk about, and I love that. So we talk about all of the, the things that are really challenging for the church to engage with in, in conversation at the moment. And I suppose my message this morning, well, well, as I kind of unpack a little bit of my story and apply scripture to it. Um, it's, it's a huge topic for the church. Mental health is, is really massive in the church. And in December 2019, take, go back with me for a moment. I'm leading a church. I'm sitting on the National Council for Christian Churches Ireland, the network of churches that we are connected to and relating to. I am a traveling speaker. I am involved in a lot of different ministries and sitting on a lot of different kind of boards and panels and different things. And if you looked at my life, you would go, that man is on fire for God. Yet I was dying inside. I had become lonely. I had become isolated. I had become busy. I was working for God rather than working with God. And I was very broken. I was feeling like my identity was lost. I was feeling like my wife deserved a better husband, that my church deserved a better pastor, that my kids deserved a better father. And in December 2019, I went to a bridge in Derry, stroke London, Derry, with the intention of killing myself. Because I really felt at that time that the world would be a better place without me. And praise God that uh, somebody came along and challenged me as I was contemplating the world being a better place without me, and something within that conversation prompted me to begin to get real with the people in my life, with the people in my world, the people in my church, my wife, my children, and those who I would allow to see the, the brokenness and the pain in my life. And so the following Sunday... I got up in front of my church in Oma Community Church. There was about 60 people in the room. 
And a bit like you, I'm hoping they were expecting something of a life-giving message, something that would be encouraging, and there was a little bit of a sense of expectation and anticipation in the room as to what would come, and I had nothing to say, and I had nothing prepared, and I stood in front of my church, and I went, I'm so sorry that I've let you down as your pastor. I'm so sorry that I have failed you. I'm so sorry that I have been present yet absent. And I'm so sorry that I have been off trying to save the world and neglecting you. And I began to fall apart in front of them. I couldn't get the words out. And the tears were streaming down my face. I literally, I was stuttering and stumbling. And there was no articulation in anything that was coming out of me. But it was raw and it was real and it was pure. And as I'm falling apart in front of my church... This wonderful man called Alan Miller, who I would die for if I could, got up off his seat. And as I'm falling apart in front of the church, Alan Miller left his seat. He got up and he's put, he put his arms around me. And I have never in my life experienced a hug like it. And as Alan began to hug me, Alan began to pray. And Alan said, Father God, Thank you that you love Tim Shields. Father God, thank you that you died for Tim Shields. Father God, thank you that you sent your son for Tim Shields. Father God, thank you that you sent Tim Shields to Oma to be our pastor. Father God, thank you that Tim Shields is still our pastor. Father God, thank you that the schemes of the devil have not prevailed and our pastor is here with us today. And as Alan was praying, every person who was in their seat left their seat and they come up onto the stage and we had a holy huddle. And it was the most beautiful moment that I have ever experienced in my life. At my worst, at my most broken, I thought I was getting the sack. That's what we think, isn't it? If I'm true, if I'm vulnerable, if I'm honest, people will reject me. If I'm true, if I'm honest, if I'm vulnerable, people will think less of me. If I'm true, if I'm honest, if I'm vulnerable, people will run away from me when actually the reality of it is that it's the opposite. When we bear our souls, when we bring our truth, we actually allow people to be part of our lives. We invite people into our story. We invite people into our world. And it was the most visible representation of the reality of God that I've ever seen in physical form in my life. Because Scripture tells us that while we were still sinners, God demonstrates His love to us and that He sent His Son from heaven to earth to die on the cross that we deserved so that we could be made perfect and holy. That's a paraphrase of a couple of different scriptures that I've all morphed into one, but it's the reality of what I think and what I see in my life today. And so the worship team played, they got up, and we worshipped, and we prayed, and at the end of the service, my team and my board got around me, and they said, so where do we go from here? I said, I don't know. <laughs> I don't have any answer. I haven't a clue. I've just fallen apart, and you've picked me up, and I need to be put back together. And so in this journey of trying to be healthier and in this journey of attempting to be fitter, in this journey of attempting to become the man that I believed God had died for me to become, and in this journey of restoration, I was brought to a passage of Scripture. And I want to read it to you. It's from the book of Ephesians. 
as Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. It's the first chapter, and it's 13 verses that has become the mantra to my life, and I believe and hope that the words will appear on the screen behind me. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the time reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory." And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's chosen possession to the praise of his glory. And as I began to meditate on this passage of Scripture, as I began to allow this passage of Scripture to become part of me, I recognized and I realized that Scripture tells me that I am loved by God, that Scripture tells me that I am a child of God, that Scripture tells me, it tells us, it tells you that we are and I am forgiven by God, that I am free, that I am never alone, that I am saved, that I am His, that I am chosen, that I am gifted, and I am enough. And so I began to ask myself, what would my life actually look like if I chose to embrace these truths? And how would my relationships be transformed? How would my relationship with my wife be transformed? How would my relationship with my church be transformed? How would my relationship with myself be transformed? And ultimately, how would my relationship with God be transformed if I was to truly believe that I am loved, that I'm a child of God, that I'm forgiven, that I'm free, that I'm never alone, that I'm saved, that I'm His, that I'm chosen, that I'm gifted, and that I am enough? And so I challenged myself and I dared myself to believe what would my life look like if I chose to believe everything that God has said about me and written for me? See, I believe this with all of my heart, and I've yet to meet a person who can change my mind on this. But God's got a preferred future for all of us. And Jesus Christ died on the cross to secure it for us. And because of his life, death, resurrection, and ascension to heaven, everything we need to live that life has been made available to us. And so this became my challenge to myself. If I'm going to be the man of God, if I'm going to choose to believe these things, I need to begin to embrace it and then begin to live it out. Anyone here got a favorite TV program? We all do, don't we? Yeah. Mine's is, I love programs that are all about restoration. 
So like DIY programs where people come together, like the repair shop on the BBC, Car SOS, uh, American Pickers. But my favorite one, right, is money for nothing. Who doesn't want money for nothing? Yes. Yes, we all, don't we? We all, we all want money for nothing. And I love this show, uh, Money for Nothing, okay? It's a girl called Sarah Moore, if you're unfamiliar with it. And Sarah Moore goes to recycling. What do they call them? We call them dumps. Recycling centers. Thanks, Ryan. Yes. Recycling centers, right? And that's my favorite program, and I can't even say it. Recycling centers, and she goes, and it's all staged. We know it's all staged. But she's standing waiting at other people's, like, you know, the bit of their car to see what they're bringing out of their car. And then what she does is then she takes this stuff off them. She says, can I have this? I want to bring it on a journey. I want to restore it. And so she goes off, and she brings it to somebody who knows what to do with it. And it's junk. And it's trash and it's rubbish. But yet, what I love about it is she's able to see the beauty in it. And she's able to see a journey in it. And she's able to see a restoration in it. Because she has the vision to see beyond what is in front of her. And that's my favorite thing about her. It's her ability to see the value in things that other people deem worthless. And I think for a lot of us in the room this morning, if we're honest, there are times when we look in the mirror and we don't see our value. There are times when we look in the mirror and we don't see our worth. There are times when we look at our lives, when we look at our circumstances, and we don't see the value and we don't see the worth in the way that God sees us. But yet God promises restoration. God promises redemption. And God promises to transform us from the inside out to make us look like his son, Jesus Christ. And Paul writes this in the letter that I've just shown to you and read to you in verse chapter 7. He says, in him... We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace. And here's the good news for you today. Through the blood of Jesus Christ, shed on the cross of Calvary, God has saved us from the spiritual scrap heap. He has forgiven all of our sins, and that means past, present, and future. You see, in God's eyes, and I love this, we were too valuable not to save, too valuable not to redeem, too valuable not to restore, and too valuable not to use. And he demonstrated that love to us, and that while we were still sinners, as I've already said, he sent his son. So I have a couple of people in my life that I really admire that I look up to and would love to be a little bit more like. And one of these people, and some of you might already be familiar with this guy, his name is Alan Graham. And Alan Graham is the good news man. And Alan Graham grew up in Belfast, and Alan Graham was a bit of a nutcase. If you know him, you'll, you'll, you'll know exactly what I mean by that. He's still a bit of a nutcase, but in the most healthiest of ways. But he worked in Short's factory. And he was a drinker, and he would go missing on his wife, and lots of different things would, would, would go on. And then one day, he made this decision, and he said, I'm going to choose to follow God. And I'm going to choose to live for God. And he confessed with his mouth that Jesus is Lord. And he believed in his heart that God raised him from the dead, and he was saved into the family of God. And he wanted the whole world to know that he was saved. And so every morning on the Shorts factory in Belfast, Alan Miller would walk in, I am saved, I am saved, 
I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. I am saved. I know that I am saved. 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 And he would walk from the entry to the factory to his station in the factory. He knew he was saved. He knew that God loved him. He knew that Christ died for him, and he wanted the world to know. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't for one minute think you'll ever find me walking with the audacity or the arrogance or the courage of Alan Graham. But here's what I've come to realize. I'm saved too. And I'm saved by a God who loves me I'm saved by a God who wants nothing but the best for me. And I'm saved by a God who has put himself inside of me and is leading me home. Jeff Vandervelt reminds us of this in a book called Gospel Fluency. And he says this, he says, We are saved from the penalty of sin. We are saved from the power of sin. And we will be saved from the presence of sin when we all go to glory. That's what it means to be saved. Isaiah 53, verses 5 and 6 6 says this, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was put on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray, and each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Those of you who, are, who I've never met before, or those of you who I've never had a conversation with before, will probably not be familiar with the fact that I'm a former homeless drug addict lived the most horrific, horrible, broken life I have. Mugged people with a knife. I have slept with people for money. I have broken into homes at night when people were asleep. And I have done some of the most horrific and horrendous things that a human being could ever have done. I have been in the darkest of places, and I have led some people into the most darkest of places as well. And in the past, I've misunderstood what it means to be saved. And maybe like me, you too have also made that same mistake, that you are thinking that being saved was your get out of jail, get out of hell, or get into heaven pass. And maybe, as a result, you too have missed out on the now power of the gospel that is made available to us when we choose to follow Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus' invitation to follow him is so much more than a simple invitation. It's a call to purpose. It's a pathway to freedom. And it's an avenue to his grace where we get to live the life 
that Jesus died for us to have. Jesus lived the perfect life so that he could be the perfect sacrifice so that when we confess with our mouth that he is Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, that we're saved into his family, and when God looks at us, he sees us as perfect and holy. How beautiful is that? To think that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that anyone who believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. I believe this with all of my heart. God has a prepared future for you. And I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross to secure that future for you. And so I have made the mistake of being saved and understanding that I'm saved, going to heaven, I've been forgiven, but whilst being saved, not living saved. And there's a stark difference between the two. And being saved and not living saved makes as much sense to me as this. Going to an all-you-can-eat buffet and only having a pee. You understand that, don't you? How many of us, if we're invited to go to an all-you-can-eat buffet, I mean, if I'm there, it's like... I'm leaving with the sweats and I'm sick. You know what I'm saying, yeah? Or is that just me? No, I don't think so, right? Okay. And so we know that whenever we enter into this environment, when we enter into this place that we've been invited into, where a price has been paid in order for us to sit at the table, we're having it all. I mean, I, I'm, if I can get it in my pockets, you know that ice cream machine? You know that I'm going off on a tangent there. You know that ice, ice cream machine? You know the ones where you can serve yourself? Do you see if I could get away with lying underneath it? And being stretched out. I'm taking it all. So when I think about this life that God has given us, when I think about this invitation to follow him, when I think about this table, this banquet that we're invited to, it really does, it makes as much sense to me to not only just think, oh, I'll just have a little bit, I'll be saved. When actually the invitation is for us to live saved and to experience all of the things of God and the presence of God as he walks with us and as he gives himself to us. You see, God wants us to grow up. He does. He wants us to know the whole truth and tell it in truth, like Christ in everything. And here's what I've learned. Our ability to live saved, and we chatted with Jonathan and Philip about this when I saw them in Dublin a couple of weeks ago. Our ability to live saved is directly proportional to our ability to trust Jesus with our trauma. Because it's our trauma that leads us to sin. You see, restlessness leads to weariness, and weariness leads to brokenness, and brokenness leads to sin. And it's a pathway, and it's a journey, and it's a cycle that we get stuck on. And unless we can trust Jesus with our trauma, then we can't live saved. And my wife is wonderful, and you really should pray for her because she's married to me. She's very gracious, she's very compassionate, she's very understanding, she's very encouraging, but she is rubbish at buying gifts. You know the love languages? Yeah, you, you, the love languages. Let's just say Jenny's love language is not gift giving. Okay? But there's, there's been a couple of moments in her life 
and, and she allows me to slag her when, she, when she's not around because she knows I love her. But there's been a couple of moments in her life where she's, she's really smashed it out of the park. So much so I'm thinking, Jesus must be coming soon because it was that good. So she bought me an ice bath, right? And I know some of you are thinking, gosh, ice bath, not a great gift. I promise you this, I'm an elite level athlete, as um, Phil has said, and I do like saying that. The faster pastor. I have broken countless records over the years, won multiple titles, and um, I've realized that one of the things that I had read, and some of you will already know this, that kind of cryotherapy, ice therapy, that kind of cold stuff in your muscles is really great for recovery. And so I had been saying this out loud for a while in our house to the point where Jenny was sick listening to me talking about it. So she went and she bought me an ice bath. And I'll never forget the first time that I went to get into the ice bath. I was a hero, okay? At least I thought I was. So I'm, I'm going, and the, the thing is full. It's like a, I don't know how to describe it. It's a big tub anyway, right? Full of water and ice, right? And so I'm like, it needs more ice. It needs more ice. It needs more ice. It needs more ice. And I'm the hero. I've got the short shorts on, and I'm like, yeah. <clears throat> I got a toe in. And I got a foot in, and then I got a, a calf in, and then I'm, 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 up, I'm up to here, and I'm half in and I'm half out. So I've got to go through the whole process again. And then I sit on it. I mean, it's taken my breath away. Anybody ever done the ice bath for the first time? You'll know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, proper, like I'm pretty sure it was worse than childbirth, okay? Like, like, honestly, right? Unbelievable, okay? Right? Just mental, right? doesn't actually feel too bad. <laughs> this is quite nice. I feel good. I like this. And there was a process that I had to wrestle with, and there was a process that I had to journey through, and there had to be an element of faith and an element of trust and understanding that if I embraced the trauma and if I breathed through it, at the other side of the trauma and the pain was rest. You see, we all experience trauma in our lives, and trauma can be described as a distressing or disturbing experience. And there are three types of trauma. There's acute trauma that results from a single incident, and I'm so sorry for anyone in this room who's experienced something that has caused you trauma in your life like that. There's chronic trauma, which is repeated and prolonged trauma. For example, 
And God bless any of you who've had to experience anything of this in your life. And I'm so sorry. Things like domestic violence, bullying, abuse, sexual abuse, those types of horrific, horrific circumstances and situations. And then there's complex trauma. Complex trauma is exposure to all of the other types of trauma in a multiple environment and complexity. And I am so sorry for any of you that have had to go through any of those things in your life. But I need to tell you this. You can't stay there. Because your ability to live the life that Christ died for you to have is dependent on you embracing this and trusting Jesus with it. You see, Jesus invites us into relationship. And Jesus invites us into rest. And he invites us into the rest that he won for us on the cross. And he comes and he says, if you're tired, if you're weary, if you're burnt out on religion, come to me and I will show you how to take a real rest. But I want you to notice what he says after this. He doesn't say lie down. He doesn't say go on holiday. He doesn't say bury your head in the sand. He doesn't say forget about it. He invites us on a journey and he says walk with me. And then he says work with me and watch how I do it and I will show you the unforced rhythms of grace. And there's some of us in this room today who are <gasps> in that place. And what Jesus is inviting you into is a relationship where you can go <gasps> and wrestle with your pain in his presence. And he promises not to leave you. He promises not to forsake you, but he promises freedom on the other side of your pain. And if you want to live the life that Christ died for you on the cross, the preferred future that God has for you, then you need to get into the ice bath with Jesus. And you need to get into the ice bath with Jesus and you need to trust that at the other side of your pain, there's rest. At the other side of your trauma, there's rest. You can react to it, you can respond to it, or you can wrestle with it. And what the Easter story teaches us, we know Good Friday, what a traumatic experience for the church. What a traumatic experience for the disciples. They had invested everything. They had given him everything, and then he's died on the cross, and it's a traumatic experience. And some of them run, some of them panic, but we know that on the third day, he rose again. And it was in accordance to the Scriptures, and it was a really beautiful thing. So I want to encourage you to think about where you're at with God this morning. I want to encourage you to wrestle with God, with your pain. And I want to encourage you to trust God 
in your pain that as you walk with him and as you work with him and as you watch how he does it, that you will learn the unforced rhythms of grace and you'll live in the promise that God has for you. Because I'm going to say it again. I believe with all of my heart that God has got a preferred future for each of you, that Jesus Christ died on the cross to secure for you, and because of his life, his death, his resurrection, and ascension to heaven, everything we need to live that life has been made available to us. And so the invitation this morning is the invitation to follow Jesus into his rest. Why? Because the cross was enough. The invitation this morning is an invitation to follow Jesus into his provision. He has enough. Everything we need for life and godliness has been made available to us. The invitation this morning is an invitation into his presence. Not only has he enough, but he is enough. And the invitation this morning is an invitation into his protection because he gives enough. And this is the God that loves us. This is the God that is for us. And this is the God who in our brokenness, at our worst, while you were covered in your muck, he came and he put his arms around us through the cross and he said, I love you. I love you. For those of you in the room this morning who are on a journey towards God, I want to encourage you, get off the fence. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not in your own understanding and in all your ways acknowledge him. And here's a promise, he will light your path. If God can take someone as broken as me, if God can take someone as unholy as me, if God can take someone as lost as me, he can do it for you. I know there are some people in this room today and some time ago you said, hey, I believe in my heart that God was raised from the dead and I'm confessing with my mouth that I believe that Jesus is who he says he is, but your journey stopped there. And there's an invitation to you today to make the shift from being saved to living saved. Today's the day. This is your moment. God's calling you. And there's some people in this room today, and I'm going to say it again, I'm so sorry. Please catch my heart. I am so sorry for all of the things that have happened to you in your life that were outside of your control. But until you do something about it, you're allowing them to control you. And that's not Christ's plan for your life. That's not what Christ came for. That's not what Christ died for. And he wants you. He's calling you to bring your pain to the cross where he experienced all of the pain. And at the other side of that encounter 
is freedom. At the other side of that encounter is peace. And at the other side of that encounter is rest. But I also want to encourage you, if you're on the journey, this is the day. If you're saved and not living saved, this is the day. For all of your trauma, leave it at the cross. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.